from The Advocate Magazine in partnership with GLAAD. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this is LGBTQ and A. Today, Rufus Wainwright is here to talk about his rather interesting career. He is one of the very first mainstream singers to start their career out of the closet. This was back in 1998. And, you know, now we have more out singers than we can count, thank God, right? But in the 90s and early 2000s, this was rare. And as you'll hear Rufus say, he saw that for people who weren't out or who didn't bring up their sexuality per se, they definitely went further in their careers. So we talk about that, about what's changed, what hasn't, and of course we talk about his brand new album, Unfollow the Rules, that is out this week. Now, if you enjoyed this interview, please help us to spread the word on social media or text your group chats. Doing things like that is a huge way to help our show grow. So thank you so much to everyone for that. All right, here is Rufus. You know, your first album came out in 1998. And I have to tell you, looking back, I think it's wild that professionally you've never been in the closet. Right. It's, it's something that I actually had to fight for a little bit um, at certain points in my career. I mean, when I when I started um, in 98, the first meeting I took uh, with my record company, with DreamWorks Records, I, I emphatically stated to them that I was gay and that I wasn't going to hide that, uh, and that as wow. long as they understand that, we can keep going. And they agreed, and, and, and we were then off to the races. So, you know, I, I don't claim to be the first out gay artist, but I am one of the first who started my career being out, you know, in a major on a major label. And, and who also, you know, s- succeeded, you know, in the sense I, I, I've remained. There was some talk about, you know, how Adam Lambert was like this incredible pioneer of being like the first out gay mainstream artist <laughs> or something. And, you know, I, with all due respect to Adam Lambert, who's very talented and, and a great a guy, but um, but I, I got very angry about that. I was like, no, I, I kind of did it about, you know, 15 years earlier, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, or 10 years earlier than him. So so it's it's good that you uh, started with that point because it, I had to sort of really, I, I've had to sort of nail it home uh, a few times. And I think what is also so impressive is that you were not just out, but didn't talk about it. Yeah. It was very like overt. Your first album had a song called Danny Boy yeah. singing about a male love interest. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I was. And, I, and what's interesting about it is that it was overt, but it wasn't the centerpiece of my life either. I mean, I was, you know, I we weren't going, you know, I wasn't trying to, uh, you know, garner more gay fans or I wasn't, it wasn't sort of this... I was just like a songwriter first and foremost, and my homosexuality was just an element of my personality, along with other things, which uh, which I actually think took the industry off off guard in a, in a good way. They didn't quite know how to um, to kind of destroy me <laughs> because I wasn't so pointed about it, but I was just very plain about it. It just wasn't for, it wasn't like such a big deal for me, and I, and I was truthful. So it wasn't such a big deal to you, but did like the press and industry make it seem like you were like gay first, like a gay singer instead of just a singer? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they were, how can I say this? Certain outlets were, were, I don't know, hung up on it a little bit. And I do believe that there was, 
you know, in terms of how the industry works, there there was certain opportunities that I I was not allowed to have. You know, I was kind of put back a little bit by my my sexuality. I wasn't by any means, you know, obliterated, but 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 I was dismissed somewhat as this as this how can I say this off-center, unusual creature. And so that was what it was. I mean, I, I mean, I, I kind of worked with that energy and, 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 you know, it made me fight harder. It made me write more songs. It made me try, you know, really hone my craft. So it was, I think, it, honestly, I think they were more confused than anything else because I was just so matter of fact about it. I think I'm surprised to hear you say that you were dismissed because it seems like looking back at your career, there was so much momentum from like the very early on. Yeah, yeah. How can I say this? There was always this line that would ex- that would that would come up where they're like, "Can you just pretend to be bisexual at least?" Or you know, they they, they didn't necessarily want to take the risk of like alienating uh, a certain sector of the mainstream audience with me. But I was always shocked at how. If you do just not bring it up, even if it's like plainly obvious, you know, you do go that much further in the pop world. And it's it's interesting. I mean, it's it's uh, I don't know if I would have ever been a huge pop star regardless, but but uh, but I think it's a bigger it's a bigger sort of element than it's given credit for. It's so interesting you say that because I discovered your music during the uh, Want 1 and 2 albums when they came out. Yeah. But, you know, information accessibility was so different back then that I, you know, there was no internet for me to look up and see, like, what is this guy's sexuality? Yeah, yeah. I was as gay as the day is long, <laughs> especially these days. Uh, and uh, and I, you know, and I want, and I very much took that opportunity to, you know, indulge uh, in my um, myself and, and all the trappings of, uh, of rock and roll success that, that, I, that I did get at that, at that early stage in my career. Do you still indulge in those things? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm married now and, and, and I, we have a child and, and I'm certainly not going on the road anytime soon. So, so it's, it's quieted down a bit. But, you know, I've always been, how can I say this? That's, I, I have a kind of Hindu belief. I'm not Hindu, <laughs> but, but there is this, this uh, kind of more Eastern philosophy where, you know, you're, uh, an individual is comprised of many people um, and many different facets. And, yeah, there are times when my, you know, the, you know, the, the, the more whatever naughty Rufus can show its head, his head suddenly, <laughs> and I have to contend with that. But it's, uh, it's, it's just, you know, not enough hours in the day, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, your parents are also musicians. Yes. And I think we would probably both agree that your career um, has surpassed what theirs were, just like factually. Yeah. And I bring that up because I wonder if growing up with musicians as parents, if you looked at their careers as something you wanted to surpass. Well, I mean, I... How can I say this? I mean, I think one always wants to surpass their parents. And, and I think one's parents always want their kids to surpass them. I mean, I think it's... It's uh, it's a it's the natural order of things. I mean, my parents are. My mother sadly is no longer with us, Kate McGarrigal. But 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 both of my parents were, and my dad still is. You know, great musicians and and really valued songwriters and 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 did incredibly well. Now neither of them became you know household names by any means. And and so when when my star was on the ascent, um, let's just say I, I you know the mountain I had to jump over wasn't 
in the Himalayas. <laughs> Unlike friends of mine, you know, like Sean Lennon or Adam Cohen, whose parents were, you know, bona fide superstars, and and they never, and it would have been churlish to imagine them even, you know, uh, uh, going anywhere near their parents' fame. So so I had an easier time of it because my parents were not super famous, um, but they were incredibly uh, respected and 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 in my opinion, just as as talented as any any big big time person. But yes, I wanted to supersede them, but I also, I don't know, I wanted to bring them along as well. Like I, I it was it was as much my intention to to become more famous and to also show other people their greatness as well who who were not familiar with their work. You know, especially my mother. I mean, my mother because she decided to really uh, focus on bringing up her kids as opposed to touring. You know, she lost a lot of opportunities in that department. So, so when so I then you know sang a lot of her material and would always bring her along and and really champion her. Did they teach you like basics, just like of like the basics of a songwriting? Well, my mother did, uh, and and watching my father was always an education. You know, I did witness my parents go down the 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 edge of fame. You know, my father was very, very f successful in this when I was very, very young. And then, you know, times changed and he had to really struggle for years. Then he you know, had, you know, he had some ups and downs. But that in itself was an amazing education, you know, for me growing up. I never was, I never had any kind of illusions uh, of what, of what a, a, a musical career looked like. You know, you had good times, you had bad times, and you just had to make it about the work, and you had to just soldier on, and you had to be pretty tough. So, so I learned that from both my parents. So am I wrong then to connect that level of thinking to, to what I've seen in your career, which I think is somebody who has done really surprising things? You know, you've written opera, you put out an album of Shakespeare sonnets instead of music. I feel like you don't put out an album like that hoping it'll sell, you know, millions and millions of copies. No, I don't. I will say that there's a very foolish side of myself that does believe before any record of mine comes out, whether it's a pop record or the Shakespeare album or even my opera, that somehow there's going to be this magical moment where suddenly it's, you know... It, it's the most, you know, it, it's the most uh, famous and most uh, acclaimed and most accepted and widely sold album I've ever made. You know, you always you always have that second or two of disbelief. And uh, and then, of course, reality sets in. <laughs> and I guess like from my perspective, I just see an artist who is not making the most commercial decisions. No, no. Artistically, I can only do what I want to do, uh, mainly because my desire to do that is so strong. I mean, I... I'm really overtaken with uh, inspiration, uh, whether it's doing a Shakespeare sonnet or writing an opera or doing a pop song. Like in that moment, I'm, I'm, I'm going full throttle ahead. And then, of course, you make the recording and you think, oh, well, of course, the world is also obsessed with, you know, Sonnet 29. <laughs> and when I release it, you know, it'll, I'll be able to buy that house in Malibu. You know, it's just like it's a it's it's crooked thinking, but it's it gets the work done. <laughs> so I don't want to put words in your mouth. It sounds like you don't have you don't have like a dry spells of inspiration. You have like too much inspiration. So I don't I wouldn't say I have too much, but I but I but I, I am constantly inspired. And uh, and I do. You know, it's interesting because this the, the, this period now of, 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 of quarantine and the pandemic and uh, I have. I I can I will emphatically state that any artist in this period who has not benefited from having this time, and having this kind of perspective and having this moment to really go inside and to really either practice or 
write or you know draw you know something you know really use their art to their advantage they're not really artists <laughs> i mean you know it's like time is so valuable um for an artist and that's why you know historically that a lot of that usually had to be rich you know because they had to they had to be leisurely you know in order to really work and uh and on what they wanted to do so so i think that this couple of months have has been very valuable artistically for for anybody uh who who wants to do that as as a profession i mean yes now the money is drying up and but this this last period two months was 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 a gift in a certain way you know, with money things, is money something that you still worry about? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've done well. And thankfully, you know, before the pandemic, I, I have been working a lot over the last three years. So so I, I managed to put some stuff, some cash away. And I've, I'm, I'm going to be okay for the next little while. And I, and I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much hand to mouth. I also live quite lavishly in the sense that, you know, I, ha I love... My husband and I love, you know, going to the opera. We love eating in nice restaurants. We love travel. I mean, if I was more frugal, it'd probably be better. And there's a very good chance we'll have to become more frugal, to be honest. <laughs> Is that because live performance won't be coming back for a Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I'm hopeful that there are other avenues because of my compositional skills and my ability to really work uh, you know in film and television as well and 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 also my love of opera and classical music which does require like a longer lead in general and so I I'll be occupied I'll be, I'll be I'll be fine you know we were talking about inspiration earlier at this point in your life you've been with your husband for like is it 13 years We've been together for about 15 years 15 so so much of your music in the past has been about love relationships, yearning, unrequited, all aspects. Does a long-term relationship like the one you're in, has that provided as much fodder for inspiration for your music? Oh, very much so. I mean, it's, whether it's, you know, just the trials and tribulations of, you know, keeping house or or taking care of elderly parents and, and of course, young children. I mean, the the drama ensconced in that is is formidable. <laughs> so so I can be you know, and whether it's dreaming of escaping from that, you know, <laughs> at times, which all adults do, or embracing it and 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 championing it. That's 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 a pretty wide spectrum. That being said, you know, there 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 is something to be said for really using your imagination and 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 creating universes that aren't attached to you, and and that you're just sort of observing. Is there a song in your new album that you've taken that advice for that isn't about you or your life? Um, well, you know, Trouble in Paradise is a bit that. I mean, I wrote that for a play, you know, and, and that is that's loosely based on something that maybe Anna Wintour could sing. It's sort of about <laughs> her. But of course, you know, the, the chorus, you know, Trouble in Paradise is, is pretty universal at the moment. <laughs> it, it's so interesting looking at just like the, the track list right now, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. Songs like Early Morning Sadness, Alone Time, Hatred, they all seem to be speaking directly to this moment. Yeah, no, they are. I mean, it's funny because even even I was a little worried when the album was coming out, you know, with the title Unfollow the Rules, because a few weeks ago that was not a good message to put forth in terms of the <laughs> pandemic. You know, it was a follow the rules moment. But of course, now that's all changed, you know, with the, with the demonstrations and, uh, and the protests. So now we are in an unfollow the rules uh, moment. And uh, yeah, no, there's a lot... Uh, there's a lot of correlation, which, 
I don't know. I don't know what that means. I mean, I, I, I always try to write about, you know, heavy shit. And, and and we live in heavy times right now, so maybe that's just the, the, the whatever, the, 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 bound, the binding there. Yeah. With songs that are not about you or your life versus ones that are, do you think that people connect to songs that you've written about your personal experience, or is just a good song a good song? I think the prime example for me of a song that has nothing to do with myself and that's a complete construct is uh, The Art Teacher. I don't know if you know that song, but I, I've sung it now for years. That's from Want To. And, um, and people just go wild for that song. And it has, as I said, it's, it's just like a kind of a, a fantasy where I'm, you know, a young girl in boarding schools, <laughs> which we all w imagine sometimes. So, yeah, so I, don't, I think it's just a, a good song is a good song. And how much does your love of opera influence your like pop songwriting? I make a conscious effort not to directly, you know, correlate those two worlds because they're very different and they actually have nothing to do with each other in a lot of ways. But that being said, traveling from one to the other, I always bring, you know, uh, dust <laughs> along with me, and and it does and just, and it does seep into the woodwork, you know. Uh, of either one, so so I I know it's happening, <laughs> but I don't try to like equate them ever. Uh, in fact, I think that's kind of futile and can be and be kind of and can be kind of lame when people try to do that. Well, actually, though, like I think one of my favorite Freddie Mercury songs is the duet he sings with the famous soprano. Sure, probably, yeah, yeah, I mean, I love Freddie Mercury. That's not one of my favorites, though. <laughs> if you're gonna write opera, it's gotta be really opera, and if you're gonna write pop, it's gotta be really pop. But that's my style. I mean, it's Freddie Mercury could get away with that, obviously. I, I, I and I, I don't know. It's just not an area that I, uh, that I inhabit much. And we're talking about your songwriting, but with your like voice itself, has it changed as you've gotten older? Yes, very much so. I mean, that's what I think. That's one of the kind of components to this record and and to this period in my life is that I have finally kind of hit the summit of 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 my voice. Uh, it's uh, you know, I'm I, I, I my breathing is is reasonable. My tone is measured. Um, I, I, you know, I know how to like map out a performance with it with a song now really well. This is after years of singing Judy Garland and studying opera, so so it's it, this is the this is the time when the voice is at its full power, and and that's and that's very exciting. It's very exciting for me because it, and it's funny because it's very it is very related to the opera world. I mean, in the pop world, they don't really know about this as much, but in the classical world, it's really in your forties when you sing your best. That's that's when you're on the runway. Is that for men and women? For men and women, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. For, yes, but I mean, with the big roles, like all the Wagner and the Verdi and, you know, and the kind of challenging roles, you have to be of a certain age to sing them properly. Or you destroy your voice. It takes years of, of, of training. And I'm a little bit in that department right now. I mean, I don't think I've done it uh, consciously necessarily, but I've, I've followed a lot of tips and, and, you know, just been mindful about it. Yeah. You know, I called your songwriting pop songwriting earlier. Do you even consider yourself to be like a pop singer? Well, I mean, I, I think that I have, uh, how can I say this? I have uh, the, what is it? The, uh, I, can, I occasionally I have the common touch, as they say, <laughs> you know, where I will do something that strikes a kind of frequency in, in, in a general population, you know, whether it's 
when I did Hallelujah or cigarettes and chocolate milk. There are moments, and, and and it kind of I don't know. There's some kind of spark that ignites and and just and, and there's an immediacy to it that is pop like. I don't know. There is something poppy about me. I, I haven't been able to nail it. <laughs> we'll see. One day, perhaps someone will. With the songs you just mentioned, those are from like older records. Are you hoping to like achieve that kind of track in every album you do? Uh, yeah, I mean, I usually try with every album to have to have one or two really iconic tracks. I mean, that that is the point. But I do think that, you know, Unfollow the Rules, the title track is, is one of these pieces of music that you just put forth and you're like, this is... This is this is undeniable. This song, <laughs> and in a weird way, hatred is sort of the opposite of that. It's something that you know you can put on the radio, and that does relate to, you know, the energy around today, and is uh, and is very much of this time, though it's completely a baroque uh, tune as well. I kind of gravitated towards peaceful afternoon. I think what I was saying earlier about like a long-term relationship, I hadn't heard that sung about so specifically. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, that song really strikes a chord with a lot of people. Because um, it is, what can I say? It's something, it's something that a lot of people uh, wish for and then other people need to celebrate, <laughs> you know, who have, who have been in one, you know, so... So and, and then there's other people who don't give a shit, you know. But 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 I think for those who 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 you know are gravitate towards that piece of music, there's it's 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 a it's a strong emotion that it engenders. And I think that for like gay people, we don't have that many public examples of long-term relationships. There's not a lot. I I am still very how can I say it, liberal or even old-fashioned in my beliefs about the gay existence. I, I respect our history tremendously and all of the craziness that comes with it. And so I don't I don't consider the fact that I've been in a relationship for a long time to makes me any better than anybody else. But uh but on the other hand, yeah, it's good to celebrate it. And I think there are people who appreciate that I am, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's um also a great place to stop. Thanks so much for uh doing this. Thank you, thank you. Okay, bye. And that was Rufus Wainwright. His new album is called Unfollow the Rules. It's available on July 10th. You can also hear Rufus on a previous episode of this podcast. He was here for our special interview with Renee Zellweger, talking all about the gay icon Judy Garland. It felt like this tangible celebration of her and her spirit and her humor and her wit and her just originality and her gift it was a kick in the pants i got a kick in the pants and taught some very necessary lessons after that conversation renee went on to win the academy award for that role so if anyone asks i take full credit for that win now i say this every week because it's important but please take 30 seconds and leave a rating and review on itunes preferably a five-star rating and preferably a positive review a lot of people have been doing that recently and it's really a big big help in helping us continue to grow so thank you so much for that this podcast is brought to you by the advocate magazine in partnership with glad Come check out all of our amazing work at advocate.com and glad.org. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and I'll see you next week. Bye.